Hey, welcome back to the Today Dreamer podcast, where we cultivate the practice of presence together with one another through conversational space and hopefully soon through more communal spaces online. Um, this is a wonderful moment right here, right now. And I'm so happy that you have arrived and that I've arrived here together and that we're all here beyond time and space in this kind of wonderful moment. And I can't wait to share with you the insights from today's conversation. Before I do, if you haven't had the chance yet, uh, it would be much appreciated. If you do enjoy the show, if you could leave a little review or if you could reach out and show your support in some way, let me know how you feel, connect, um, or just say hello. I would really appreciate it. And um, maybe even visit the website, www.todaydreamer.com and check it out. So... Yeah, this is my chat with Paul Felipe. I'll tell you a little bit about Paul before we dive into things. So, Paul is a wizard of wonder and wisdom. <laughs> he volunteers at the local kindness community, Homeless, Homeless Kitchen. And kind of through this link is actually where I met Paul and his beautiful wife, Emma. He's a father and husband and he kind of has gone through the depths of darkness to come out into a shining space of a deep sense of love and that's kind of what we're going to be dancing around and exploring today and um, yeah he's really a, a close friend of mine that I feel blessed to have met and that I'm you know always learning from and really enjoying the interaction with um, and the opening that takes place in Paul's presence is just um yeah, one that's definitely profound and meaningful in my life. So I'm hoping to share some of that with you as Paul opens up in this kind of, I'm sure, one of many conversations on the podcast. So yeah, please, yeah, give this one, um, you know, your vibrant attention and wholehearted presence as it definitely deserves it, especially with the kind of topics that um, Paul shares in this conversation. So, um, let's get into it. Before we do, just going to take a moment of pause uh, with you and invite you into this space as, you know, just realize I've been talking quite quickly and wherever you are in your day, maybe you've been moving at a certain pace and there's been a residual effect on your body, mind and heart um, and the interactions or experiences. So let's take a pause and just see what it feels like to take one nice, slow, conscious breath together. So there's now a gentle invitation to close your eyes. And if you haven't already, feel free to begin to inhale as slow as you've ever done in your whole life before, as slow as possible, in through the nose, gently noticing any subtleties of your experience, and whenever it is that you may reach the peak of your breath. Pause for a moment to feel into that 
space before just as gracefully allowing your breath to release Here's the chat with Paul. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I think the first thing that comes to me through my heart and my mind to explore with you, Paul, would be, I guess, the relationship of coming into a state of love with yourself. And I I found that to be a really meaningful and fascinating part of your journey that I think sharing into the sphere at this time could be quite powerful and I'd love to kind of hear it again in this intimate setting so I guess a place that feels right to begin with and if you think of another one feel free to throw it out there for me would be um, yeah like what comes up for you in your heart in your mind when I say connecting to a space of love with yourself and yeah, how's that kind of, how's that sit with you and what, what kind of, what flows from that space? Oh, the first thing I'd probably think about is walking. Mm-hmm. Like walking was really powerful medicine um, for me to find self-love mm-hmm. because in that walking, it was realizing that every step that I took was nothing but an expression of self-love mm-hmm. because I wasn't walking for anyone else. No step I took was walking towards someone or walking with someone. It was walking with myself. And it was about moving. Um, It was about losing that really stagnant energy, which I'd sort of had a lot up until that point, like sitting on my ass on the couch, staring at the TV, like watching a lot of news, wondering why I felt like shit, wondering why things seemed negative um but that's what i was feeding myself so then making that decision to get up off my butt and walk and found this really beautiful park near where i live so i was out walking in nature and yeah that was that was really the a big journey into self-love you know and realizing the reflection of love, you know, the beauty I felt in staring at the trees and the plants and the insects and eventually realizing that all of those were a reflection of my own beauty and the love that I had for those was also a reflection of the love I had for myself. And that was, that was a really beautiful sort of realization to have in one of my walks, you know, that either either none of those things that I saw and loved were worthy of love or all of it was worthy of love, including me. It was sort of like this corner I backed myself into emotionally. And I was realizing, well, I love these plants and these trees and these insects and everything so much that I can't now say that they're not worthy of love. So it meant that I was just as worthy of that love. 
which was really a beautiful thing to realize. I think in that moment, it was truly realizing how much everything is a reflection of ourselves and of me and how we reflect each other and how we're all worthy of love and how the presence of everything, whether it be an ant, a rock, a tree or us, makes the world a more beautiful place than it would be if we weren't here. Yeah. What comes up for me is relationships built between you and this other space, this other being and how that, yeah, like you, like you mentioning how that's a reflection of yourself. I'm thinking of like a relationship with a tree, for example, and this idea of how I keep thinking of this, it keeps coming up in different ways, but sometimes I feel like the things that make us seem crazy are actually the things that bring us in union with ourselves and like talking to yourself, for an example, you know, might look crazy if you saw someone doing it or if someone, you walked across the park and you saw someone having a deep conversation with a tree, you think that's a little bit odd. But the idea of forming a relationship with a plant or an animal or yourself in that kind of a way where you're speaking out loud and developing that as you go, and it seems like you may have been doing this um, with everything that you encountered on these walks. Um, it seems like such a beautiful and nourishing thing to develop this relational space, this intimacy um, in spaces that you may have either ignored or just, um, you know, not explored in the past. And I'm kind of curious because you, you, you're talking in past tense and I'm hearing that this was kind of, it seems like quite a pivotal point on your journey. Also, I get this idea of Thich Nhat Hanh's walking meditation and connecting with the ground with every step with a sense of love and being and presence and synchronizing your breath with the flow of the walk that comes through as well. But I'm, I'm really curious to know what part of this, of your journey did this come in and what led you to that space? Because it's quite a beautiful opening that you've expressed and I'm wondering how you got there and what the context was like. With the walking, um, I was actually going through this beautiful process of heartbreak um, after breaking up with my partner at the time. And I think because of the, the journeys leading up to that, I'd actually come into more connection, more ownership, more feeling of my emotions. And I went through this heartbreak and it was really beautiful. Like to be on my knees on the floor, like crying so hard that I could barely breathe, but it was my emotions. And it wasn't, I guess a lot of emotions that I had before that and being younger, it was always felt like emotions in response to what someone had done to me. You know, whether it was through victim mentality or, you know, someone hurt me or this went wrong or that happened where this was something I was going through and it was a real sort of shift in mindset. And I'd spent, I spent a lot of time crying and maybe indulging in that beautiful feeling of heartbreak and crying and tears and the overwhelming beauty of being overwhelmed by that emotion. <clears throat> but I did get to a point where you know, a really close friend at the time, he'd come around um, and I'd sit there and cry 
<laughs> a lot. And I just, he come over one night and I said, I'm not doing this tonight. Like, this is enough. Um, I need to walk. And we just got up and walked. And it was also symbolic that the direction I walked in um, along the bike path was walking in the opposite way to where my ex-partner lived. So it was like this symbolic thing of I needed to be walking away from her. I needed to be walking away from that energy, from that space. And yeah. it just unfolded. Like I walked along this bike path and it was about three kilometers or whatever. And then we just, the bike path dipped down and we just went through this magical like doorway into this really beautiful reserve, which is like 160 hectares or something. And also it happened in winter. So there was this really magical, mysterious element to it because there was fog, there was mist, there was like this really light rain that was happening. And it felt like I'd just stepped foot into a magical world. And these feelings I got from it were just amazing. And, and, it, and it was similar to what you were just saying before. I did start to talk to everything. I started to talk to the trees and tell them how beautiful they looked. And, and I'd make a lot of physical contact. You know, I'd walk past and I'd touch the ferns and I'd, you know, grab, the, touch the leaves on the trees and just really talk to them. And, and if I saw birds, then I'd be talking to the birds. And I think I also did a lot of processing through talking aloud to myself, you know, and obviously some uh, having conversations with my friend, you know, so there was interaction, but then sometimes I was just probably talking at him. Like he just happened to be there, you know, while I was expressing these feelings and, and then building up, you know, this, this went on for a, for a long period of time. Like after I went for that first walk, it become like habitual, um, every night, you know, and, it started off at like five, 10 Ks and then 15 and then 20 Ks. And, you know, most nights in the end, I was doing 25, 30 Ks. I'd pull up home after work, walk inside, grab my backpack, some water, some snacks, and off I'd go. And these relationships that I built with this park, because I walked every square inch of this park and really got to know some of the trees and, and the areas and the energies. And, and there were times when I'd walk back into certain spots and I almost felt like a stand of trees would be like, ah, oh, you're back. It's good to see you. And I really felt like this deepening relationship with the trees and the nature in that park because they're like, well, people don't normally talk to us. Like we're sitting here, we're saying hi, but they're just not listening to how we talk. And it was like this extremely rewarding relationship to to go through so much of my own mental processing, emotional integration and everything by myself, but feeling like I had the support of like millions of life forms in this park, you know, feeling like they were like wrapping their arms around me and encouraging me with every step, you know, and mm. there was, there was this, actually there was this one particular tree um, well, may maybe she was more like a shrub and every time, every time I'd walk past her and she was on the main way, I'd stop and I'd touch her and I'd talk to her and it felt like we built this really beautiful relationship. Um, 
she was just amazing, you know, and, and it was like this sensation of touch when I touch her and I could feel that it wasn't just me getting that sensation of connection. You know, I could feel that it was her getting that sensation of connection as well. So it was, it was really beautiful. I used to talk to her a lot and tell her how beautiful she looked and yeah, it was, it was quite magical. You know, and, and that really opened me up to doing that and expressing that, you know, before that I probably would have been worried, oh, what would people think if they saw me talking to a bird? What would people think if they saw me talking to a tree? Well, now I don't care. Like, you know, I'm happy in public to walk up if I see a bird, for instance, and be like, hey, how you going? You know, you're, you're looking beautiful. How's your day going? And the same with a tree, you know, and I don't really mind if people look at me and think I'm a bit crazy. Well, when you've added a richness to life and you feel more alive in the process, all that stuff becomes so much more insignificant, you know. And I feel like what you've expressed there is quite profound in, in the sense of the before and after and how even if you're looking at it from a, the plant's perspective, like you mentioned, of so many people walk past me. And no one says hello, but I'm always here. Yeah. And it's a sense of, it's funny even just to call it nature, but nature being always there. Yeah. And always there ready to provide love and support in its interesting way of communication, which is through the sound and through the, the sensation on your skin, the texture of a rock on your feet or the and sound the of it. And the smell, yeah, all of it, the sight, yeah. the the range of colours and the way the the leaves blow in the wind and how it all kind of fits together in its perfect kind of way, and it's always there, ready for a conversation. And it's uh, but what I've heard from you as well is a stepping into something. You made a decision with your friend in that place to go for that walk and do something different than wallow in your sorrows, like you had done all those other occasions. You took the step. The trees weren't going to walk to you. Yeah. So it was, it's a coming together of, it's like, I'm always here, but I, whenever you're ready, you, you know, I'm here for you. So there is a beauty. I, I mean, I had a really profound experience when I was in Costa Rica spending a, a number of weeks in the jungle. And before that point, I'd never realized that such, such, such beauty existed within me, I, I guess would be a way of putting it, just that I could touch just by spending longer periods of time around it. I, I didn't realize, and it seems so obvious and everyone knows that I'd, is familiar with the idea that nature is part of us and that, you know, it's, it's so glorious to spend time there. But I found my older self and even still sometimes the sense of looking at it like it's somewhere that I need to go visit but it's just this idea of being around it and relating to it in all the aspects, even where, wherever we are, even through the sky or, you know, I'm thinking of the clouds, the trees in your neighborhood, whatever it might be, um, connecting to that on a deeper level and then spending more time with nature to be able to connect deeper with ourselves seems quite a potent thing, quite a healing thing is what I'm hearing from you. Well, it's going home and... I guess it's that construct in our modern society that home is four walls and a comfortable couch and a warm room 
with an abundance of layers and clothes on where I really got the message in that early process that to give up comfort, to release a desire for comfort. And that's where the real journey of life would begin. You know, so also inspired by Wim Hof, you know, I started going out in my shorts and t-shirt in the depths of winter because there's a real beauty in, in that coldness because it would actually make me stay present in the experience because when the wind or the rain was on my skin and I'm feeling these sensations across however many receptors, you know, my legs and my arms and my face and the back of my neck, then it's like an overwhelming of the senses that you need to be present with. It wouldn't allow me to escape into my head and just, you know, daydream as I walked for a few Ks. I needed to be like really present in that experience and present in the experience of going home and becoming more and more aware of things. You know, like you mentioned, watching the leaves blow, how the grass moved, you know, how the, the raindrops hit the soil, how, the, how it sounded, um, how my feet sounded crunching on the ground, how the, the river through the park sounded, you know, and being able to pick at times like, is the river low? Is the river high? How's the flow in the river? Like through all these sounds and just being like feeling really, really alive, like really present in that experience. And so many times I would walk for hours and then get within three or 400 meters of home. And I'd just stop and I'd look at my house and be like, nah, and turn back around and go and walk like another six or eight Ks. And, and you know, so it wasn't just emotionally and mentally, but also physically, because I was carrying a lot of extra weight, um, being sedentary and eating a really crappy sort of diet. Um, and as I spent more time walking, I realized I actually didn't want to eat as much. So I was eating lunch, you know, and then that'd be it. And I'd take a few little sort of walking snacks with me. Um, and I think in the process, you know, as it was like, everything was healing together, like everything was getting healthier together. You know, I think I dropped like 20 or 30 kilos through the walking. I was actually drinking more water. Um, I was feeling more alive, like I was having less sleep, but I was feeling like so much more like with it mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, attuned during the day and getting up easier, you know, rather than sort of like laying there and being like, oh God, I don't want to get out of bed, but like sort of jumping out of bed, you know, and just feeling more vibrant, like far more alive. And and it was a really beautiful transition, beautiful experience to go through. It was like, um, it was almost like a rebirth, you know, because I probably could say that I'd spent most of my life um, living in anticipation of dying. Like I, I was, I had my eyes on the end. You know, I wasn't present. It was like, oh, okay, I'm here again. I'm doing another day. Like, when is this going to end? And then through that process of that walking and connecting with nature, all of a sudden there was an actual excitement to be present in every day and to be grateful for every day and to enjoy every moment that I had. 
and just find this profound love for the world and that also mirrored the profound love that I was finding for myself and in those walks talking to myself and becoming my own best friend and and talking aloud and saying oh my god you think exactly the way I do and I love the way you think and really discovering um what it meant to be my own best friend and realizing the depth of self I don't know if self-compliment is the correct word but self-acknowledgement and realizing that there's so much more power and beauty uh, and love in the acknowledgement that comes from self rather than from externally you know I mean it's nice obviously to you know to to be told like by someone else that they love you I mean that's beautiful and that has its place um but I guess even before that can be accepted properly, there needs to be that internal conversation of I love me and to be able to stare myself in the eyes in the mirror and genuinely smile and be like, you're awesome. Like, I love you. You know, I love my life. I love doing this. I love being me. It's interesting being able to see what's going on by, by speaking it aloud and then re- by kind of reflecting back or feeling into what you hear. Yeah. And you you can do that through writing as well, I'm sure. But there's these. it's interesting to how we miss a lot of that stuff or it just goes on without us being cognizant. And once it's spoken aloud and there's this dialogue of some sort or at least um, a listening, a speaking and a listening, a yeah externalizing to then deepen or re-internalize somehow what's coming up for me is um, dreams for some reason and this thing i read about the dreams that we have expressing them creatively onto some kind of a canvas of whatever that could be you know whatever that looks like to you and then feeling into what that says back to yourself because dreams are kind of like the the epitome of um this kind of warped space of difficult to decipher and i think a lot of what you're speaking to seems quite difficult to decipher unless there's a way of again like externalizing and then re-internalizing it well it creates that cycle or the circle because you're speaking it aloud you're then hearing your own words you're mentally processing your own you're reflecting words. on that in the yeah. moment but i guess there's also this purity of conversation with self that quite often doesn't happen um, when you're talking with someone else because there's just a natural flow to it. Like, because you're the, you're the target audience, so you don't need to formulate. You, you just allow it to sort of like roll. There doesn't need to be as much sort of rehearsal or contemplation of what word am I going to say next. You know, there's no, um, there's no time limit. Or there's no sort of finite amount of expression that you need to get out within a certain time. You can just allow it to flow. And I think that's, for me, that's more present. I get that feeling also when I talk to plants. There's no, I don't need to think about what my words are. I just let it flow. And I feel that's the same when I talk to myself. I just let it flow. Yeah. And because I know how I feel and I know what I mean. And so the words become secondary. 
like the words become the sounds that the emotions and the feelings travel upon. And there's that real sort of magic of like, you know, manifesting. Like, you know, even say like in religious texts in the Bible, they say, well, first there was the word and then word created form. And, and it's similar to us, you know, it's like talking things into being, like expressing things into being. First, there's the thought with the expression that comes out through the sound. And then through that sound, things can start to manifest. So once these things have manifested and there's, there's been a feeling of some kind of a space or some kind of realization, did you embark on any process of working through what you've discovered in that, in that speaking or in that building of relationship that's deepened over time? What, was, what did that look like is what I'm curious about. Well, that was like a whole rewriting almost of my internal operating system. So it was digging down into my thought patterns, my belief structures, contemplating action, my actions versus my reactions to situations. And really sort of digging down into that, where did that come from? Like, when was that formed? And I found a lot of times by coming to an understanding of where that, the root of that behavior or that reaction type would come from, all I needed to do was actually pinpoint how that came about. And then in a lot of ways that released like a, an emotional blockage or released like the energy or the anchor of that response it's like i'd pulled up the anchor all i had to do was spot where the anchor was and then i could pull it up and then it was the process of figuring out what new behavior <clears throat> what new reactions what new responses did i want to put into its place and it wasn't instantaneous like it wasn't like i picked up the anchor found a new spot for it and threw it down and then that was that was it you know, there was like the a process of almost like watching the anchor skip across the bottom of the ocean. You know, it would sort of land in this spot, but then I'd move and it would sort of bounce along the sand and then, oh, yep, bang. And then it would sort of dig in and be like, oh, okay, this is a good spot for me to anchor myself into. But I also, that changes on a regular basis. You know, it, it was, I think the healthy thing about, beliefs and you know emotional sort of frameworks is for them to be constantly re-evaluated to constantly be looked at and to always be open and adaptable and malleable to to new input um and not get tied to to it you know i i really enjoy being able to like change my mind and change the way i act and I especially enjoy it when I hear new information that actually makes me feel a bit uncomfortable because I'd gotten a bit certain of something um, and it maybe had become part of my uh, library of information that I might share with other people and then I get something else that makes me realize that the perspective that I'd been looking at something wasn't correct mm. and it makes me feel a bit uncomfortable and I'm like, oh, this is good, like, you know, this has actually touched a nerve here mm. and I was wrong and now I need to readjust in that thinking. And 
I guess I just think that's such an important thing to, to be able to do is to constantly readjust, fine tune. And I don't believe, um, I don't believe we ever achieve the definitive point in that. I believe through life, through experiences, through discussions, through relationships, we're constantly finding new anchor points for our responses and our way of being. And it's really important to allow that to just flow and, and to take the pressure off ourselves by realizing that there's not a finish line in that, that there's just a point we're at now and there's a point where we're at tomorrow and that it's okay to be in a constant state of flow and in a constant state of growth and, and journey. You know, it, it's like a walk. Like I take this step. That's not the step that I'm going to be on in an hour, but it's the step that I'm taking at this moment. Yeah. What I'm hearing from you is like you mentioned, the taking the pressure off and I kind of visualize that through my language system is like, sometimes it can be from a time frame perspective, like uh, an attachment to how things should play out in a certain amount of time and how, and then relinking that back to what's actually going on. And the positive side of that sometimes being a signal to move us in or get us off our asses to do something or to move in a certain direction or a certain way. But other times, and quite often I feel I hear is the case through my interactions with people in my sessions, is that it can actually be something that adds an extra load on that um, sometimes the situations that we're in, an indirect approach might be more beneficial than something so direct and in the mind and full of pressure. Because I think that that pressure actually works against us and it not only slows us down, but it makes the whole system a bit more clunky and it makes it a lot more painful. It's almost like an unskillful way to suffer. But, well, sorry. But it doesn't need to be there uh, in a lot of cases. And I think a reflection on the point that you just mentioned and coming back into this state of loving oneself through acceptance and being spending time with oneself and with the natural world, I think that has the potentiality to smoothen out that process and almost gives a space for that acceptance to come into being naturally um, rather than what I'm hearing was like pressurized or forced. I think with the pressurized aspect as well, in a way that can reflect our previous self, like if we're locked into a way of thinking or a belief structure or whatever, that was our previous self that arrived at that point. Mm. So when we go to interact or discuss or have conversations around that, our present self actually steps out of the driver's seat and our previous self that arrived at that conclusion then takes the microphone. And it's quite easy in that pressure to get lost from what's actually happening in the moment. Because I think other people help in that scenario, like a reflective point by speaking to another can do wonders Yeah, if you can't get to a space of solace or refuge on your own. Yeah, I, I think the, the interaction with people, I definitely find that sometimes when I'm having conversations with people, <clears throat> a lot of 
thoughts or information that's been all over the place in my head, like living in separate homes. Um, it can come together through me actually being present. My present self at the moment now sort of calls in that information and then they join together and it's like new understandings or new ways of seeing things can come you together. Can in you speaking. clarify the coming together of your present self? So it's almost like, um, you know, let's say Paul from an hour ago learnt A, mm. Paul from three years ago learnt B, Paul from 10 years ago learnt C. And in this present Paul, as um, as they're sort of maybe speaking, they, because it's like an eclectic amount of information that's coming on from different versions of myself, that almost allows me to be the driver of that information. My present self is the vessel that that information comes through. I, I see it as the other being a, an active ingredient as well. So the other, whether that's you speaking to yourself as the other or you speaking to a plan or you speaking to another human, there's something that happens in that space that I feel like it's, I'm not sure if impossible is the right word. I haven't really thought about it, but it seems like it's, it, it almost invites something to come into being that couldn't have been there otherwise. Sometimes I feel the other that comes into being for me personally, um, when I'm in that present self, is actually my deep internal, the wisdom of my body that holds wisdom of realistically billions of years. When you think of our atoms and everything that goes to make us up as being present on this planet, for billions of years and holds all of this wisdom and all of this information and being present sort of allows that to flow, you know, allows that wisdom to speak through us and speak with us. I, I've found over the years um, that in that situation of talking with someone, so someone I know might be going through a hard time or, you know, they're, they're playing out a negative sort of thought pattern in their head. And it's almost like my, the wisdom of my body in that present moment, like starts to give them advice or a new way of thinking. And that advice is just as much for my conscious mind as it is for their conscious mind. It's like we're both, being given advice by the wisdom that's held within my body. That makes total sense. Like yeah. you're, you're somehow stepping out of the way and allowing your being to be a vessel for some higher, some higher inspiration yeah. for yourself and for the other and for the whole. What I'm hearing is there's something really profound you said early. I don't want to skip over it. You mentioned this whole idea of your the wisdom in your body in itself being a, like something that's lasted for you know from the beginning of time or from from beginningless time this this idea of just the representational like what is your body it okay. is exactly that and having being able to tap into that wisdom or that knowledge in moments seems like and when you mention presence i hear I hear sometimes this idea of coming into the body and listening to it, but I'm also having things rush over me in terms of this idea of having 
all this, all this, not even from all those like lifetimes or all those kind of, all the galactic wisdom that's inside of you, but even just from this life and everything that you've lived and experienced and all the trauma and excitement and experiences and wonder and love and all these different shades of the spectrum that your body's been through this whole time. And as it's constantly going through this birth and, and, and death and rebirth, you know, which, which each of your blood cells doing every moment. And it's, there's something being stored in that process. And when we're able to get out of the mind space, maybe not so much run away or get her out of it, but at least come into a state of presence, which again is almost like working in unison with the mind, body, and the heart. Then I think there isn't an, an, there's a potentiality for bringing up that wisdom that's already there within us that we don't need to seek from an external place. It's the way I feel into it is coming into a, a like being quiet enough to listen to what's already there, or removing enough layers of distraction or whatever else that's kind of in there. It's like when you go into a space and look at the stars in a natural setting that's not full of light everywhere. Nothing's really changed in the sky, but for you, you see something completely different. And the darker and more away from these external sources of um, excitement in the form of light, the more clear and, and kind of open you are to being receptive to what's always going on. And man, I've seen some amazing things in those moments. Like sometimes I feel like there's shooting stars that are going on all the time and they never end. It's like, it's like, oh wow, this must just be what's happening all the time. We can never see it. I've thought that a few times and it makes me wonder if that's what's really going on with what's happening inside us. There's this wisdom that's swirling around at all moments waiting for us to take a drink if we ever really need it. But it's just about somehow what I'm hearing now, which I'm just kind of thinking about for the first time, I guess is in this way is like externalizing something, um, but then also being quiet enough as well. Maybe they work together, you know. There's like a the process of being witness or a willingness to be witness to your body's wisdom. And... And like what you were saying, the body is the keeper of stories. The body keeps all of our stories. The body, the body can contain or almost has a quicker access to every memory of every experience that we've ever had, um, you know, which plays a part in obviously safety. You know, a, a body, we don't need our mind to to tell us that we've just touched something hot like that the body remembers that story you know the body remembers the story of something that's cold that's hot that's spiky that's unpleasant that's pleasant you know there's quite often it's our body that actually tells our mind about you know that feels nice you know and it's the body that's actually telling the mind that it's not the mind processing oh does that feel nice oh yes that does like there's this taking of the taking the lead of the body at times and i feel for me it's been about becoming aware of that like consciously understanding the wisdom um that's held in my body and being open to accepting that it has been really powerful and 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 an acknowledgement which is also then another expression of 
a deepening self-love because it's like, wow, you know, my body contains all of this wisdom. My body, you know, has, has a lot to say. Like sometimes it's scary, you know, like we were speaking about earlier, you know, like as I'm becoming more consciously in touch with how my body feels, like sometimes that's a little bit uncomfortable, you know, because it's like, oh, my ankle is really tight and it's sore and I need to move it more. And I can find sometimes there's that desire to step away from that. Like I'm choosing to become aware of an uncomfortable sensation in my body, which is there whether I feel, whether I choose to feel it or not, it's there. But I'm choosing to feel that uncomfortableness in my ankle and then deciding to actually do something about it, like stretching it, moving it more, like releasing that. But there is also... Um, the desire for the instant gratification to just remove my connection from my body. This is an interesting space to explore. And that's coming back into that sense of comfort yeah, and freedom as well. We tend to feel like sitting in this discomfort might be something that closes us off, but it's quite liberating to work through the process of what you're articulating and just kind of sit in that discomfort or explore what that is. And what, what's going on there? I had this experience recently during one of my meditations and it was a, bot, a deepened body scan meditation. So I was going through different parts of my body and I was giving love to those parts that I had probably forgotten about, definitely forgotten about. Like, you know, how many times do you sit there and think about the bottom of your right foot unless it's in pain? So I was giving love to these parts that, because our body is made up of all these intricate different parts and it's like so much is going on, but we kind of automate everything and take it for granted without realizing sometimes, or it can, it can be the case. And going back over these different parts and acknowledging that they're there and being like, what would I do without this part? Like how special is this part of my body that maybe I haven't thought about for three years? And how cool is it? Like it's like re-getting to know yourself in a way through the body so we initially started with the walking which is i guess the walking and the talking which is in a way both of those things together and we've explored this idea of the the talking and externalizing and almost like speaking to the psyche or something or the psyche speaking to itself however whatever the right way to put that would be and then now i'm i guess thinking about what's coming up for me is this talking to the different body parts and speaking back to the body and that whole thing about the body being a temple and being worth looking after. And I guess there's all these ways that we see also that make us feel uncomfortable when we do examine this about how we may be ignoring parts of our body and how we may be abusing other parts and how we may be con contributing to the ongoing trauma that we, our body or the higher, deeper sense of who we are is experiencing and how that is being represented in the way that our body is like everything you know we eat too much mcdonald's and you're probably going to put on some weight <laughs> so there's there's something that happens there whatever our form of distraction is so i guess just like the walking and the movement is a way to come back into your body and you're approaching the physical and the mental and the spiritual it sounds like all at the same time i guess 
acknowledging the body, moving away from distraction and coming back into that deeper connection with yourself, with a sense of love, in some way I feel begins to unravel that unconscious element of the way that we treat ourselves. And then I think when things are obvious enough, we just stop. But I, that is a point that is difficult as well because we're in these habitual motions. But yeah, I think we have the power to move that in different directions or nudge it around and play with that. We don't have to always be with our friend at home having the same conversations over and over again. We can go for that walk in another option. That's what keeps coming up for me, yeah. this, this stepping into a new... And, and, and well, it's, and coming back to revisit, you know, again, like connecting with our bodies, like that same idea of like the anchor bouncing along the ocean floor. Um, we don't need to sit here and spend the rest of our life consciously thinking of our ankle and how it feels. We can move away from that, but you need to come back to it. And it's like those regular check-ins. Um, I... You know, obviously throughout my life, you know, I could put my hand on my chest and I could feel a heartbeat um, at times of, you know, like really furious heart beating, whether it was after some exercise or, you know, like fright or whatever. <laughs> I could feel, I could feel that it was pounding against my rib cage. Um, but it was only recently, you know, maybe a few months ago when I was doing like, started doing some Wim Hof breathing exercises. And in part of that guided process, he says, now feel your heart. And I could actually, for the first time in my life, I could feel my heart pumping. I could feel it like squeezing and, you know, contracting and releasing, contracting and releasing. Like this fundamental part of what our body does, like of such high importance. And for the first time, that I know of in 45 years, I actually become aware of it. And um, it felt beautiful. I was actually, I actually cried because um, I'm like, wow, I can feel my heart. And, you know, it's not just that um, the, the, the logical aspect of where the heart pumps the blood, but then there's all of those other, like the metaphors and the symbology around the heart being the center of the emotions and, you know, all of these other ideas and concepts of what the heart relates to, our connection to self, connection to love. And, and in that feeling of the contraction and releasing of my heart, I felt like this even deeper connection with all of those other things that are connected to, you know, the notion of the heart inside the body. And it was, oh, it was really beautiful. And, um, like for me, connecting with the body, like even after all of that walking, which might sound counterintuitive, and there was definitely a connection with the body, but it was almost like really surface level connection. Like it wasn't deep connection. Like I wasn't feeling the fact that my ankles were tight. I wasn't feeling the fact that my knees are tight or my hips are tight. I was feeling my feet touching the ground and I could feel like my legs moving and, you know, I'd get a little bit of pain in my calves and that. But it was almost like I was sitting in the car driving, you know, I, I was driving my body. And in the same way when we're driving a car, we feel when we hit a bump, we feel, you know, the centrifugal forces when we turn a corner, we feel that that moves us. 
but we're not actually feeling the tire touching the road. We're not actually feeling the spring contracting up and down inside the suspension. We're not feeling the gases going through the exhaust. You know, we're superficially aware of them. And that's what my relationship with my body was like. Even in all of that walking, there was like a, a superficial awareness, even with the cold. And that was, yes, bringing me into present moment. But I guess I feel like all of this stuff with connecting with self is like, level after level after level after level there's no um so there's no finish point to it and so it's like this cycle you know and and as i'm connecting more with my body now which i'm sure in a year or two from now i will look back on how i'm connecting with my body now and i would still look at that as being superficial and then i'm sure that process will continue um but, you know, the feelings that I get from my body now are more connection. Um, I'm actually allowing my body now to tell me when it hurts. Um, I, I had a, a technique of dealing with physical pain in my body, um, you know, through trauma and all of that stuff. But Sorry, what was that? I, I have a technique of dealing with pain in my body, which is to get angry. So I get angry. And thinking about it now in this moment, it's almost like I get angry at my body for feeling pain and like shame it or scare it into stop telling me that it's sore. Like, you know, when I injured myself at work recently um, and my first response is to get angry and then I can focus on that anger and I don't have to focus on the part of my body that I've just hurt. And instead of going into that natural emotion of anger i actually sat with the physical sensation of the pain and just allowed it to be and and that was uncomfortable <laughs> i wasn't sort of wasn't sort of used to that um so yeah i'm really trying to well i'm walking this very long lifelong journey of you know connecting in with my body um and like we were discussing earlier you know even just learning how to sit comfortably, um, learning what it feels like to, you know, stretch my body and move my body. Um, all of these beautiful and uncomfortable experiences because they're, they're humbling in the sense of making me feel like a beginner, making me feel like, um, a complete novice, mm. you know, where I thought I was an expert at being me, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm an expert at aspects of being Paul, but I'm not an expert in um, being connected deeply and feeling my own body. I'm a novice at that. It's interesting that the awareness will that brings about a change on its own, just knowing that and accepting that means that there's something new in the mix which is something i heard yeah on a previous episode so it's, it's quite an interesting thing i'm just yeah i'm thinking about this kind of realization that we are all in that kind of a state and this is all always going on and i keep for some reason thinking about what happened to me with the car the other day <laughs> I had this like back left tire that was really flat my brother had been telling me about for a while 
and the car was a bit bumpier than normal, but I just kind of thought it was just whatever. I didn't really, wasn't really sure if it was there or not. And I'm thinking about what you said earlier about you and your ankle while you were sitting. And um, he messaged me as I was kind of doing some errands and he was like, make sure you fill up your tire. It's pretty bad, man. And I was like, what do you, it's not that bad. And then I went and did the errands and I was like, oh, I should probably check this tire that he's going on about. The tires, he said. And I went to fill it, all the tires up and they were meant to be between 33 and 36 PSI. Checked the first tire, it was like 40 PSI. Second tire, 45 or something. Third one, 40. And the back left was like on eight. <laughs> so I was driving around with eight PSI on my back left tire for who knows how long. And it reminds me of what you were saying about the body. It's like, yeah, it's always going to be a state of um, coming back into a remembering or retending to. And that's a beautiful thing. And, and there's an exploration that takes place when we're looking at our pain and when we're looking at, as in another example, just sitting down in a meditation posture and feeling into whatever pain that we're going through. The pain, what I've noticed is it doesn't stay the same. It might increase in intensity or decrease in intensity or spread and be shared by different parts of your body as they all come in and help with your attention. But it shifts and moves. It's not the same quality the whole time. And I think there can be some kind of a solace we can take in the idea of that, that whatever we're going through isn't going to last forever. And it is always in a state of flux and change. And we can help that part of the journey along through accepting whatever it is rather than trying to make it different. But, but then if we resist it, that's where it can take longer. And I think the example you gave of your car then is perfect because you got used to the fact that it was all out of balance. Yes. And and I sort of feel like that's similar to what's happened with me with my body. Yes. Is I've gotten really used to operating it, driving it with it being out of balance. And I, uh, you know, the, a kinesiologist guy who's just an absolute wizard that I see. Um, you still got to share this guy's details. Yeah, I will. At some point. I will. Um, <laughs> He suggested to me when I went out for this walk, he said to me, next time you go for a walk, think about animals. Think about a different animal, like as you walk. And don't so much focus on trying to make my body move like that animal, but mm. think about how that animal walks and your body will s slowly start to, to do it. And I went through a few animals, but it was actually a jaguar. What'd you go through before you got there? Oh, I went through an elephant and a bear, which wasn't a that, bear. yeah, which wasn't that good because they, they have like a clunkier sort of style of movement, which is what I was already doing. So the jag, huh? Yeah. So I hit the jaguar and nice. like how they just have that, yep. like great, like everything moves together. Well, they're quite a, um, they're quite, I feel like they're quite. It seems more more in touch with their body. I don't know than a bear or an elephant. Like who knows? But like they do feel like they're in touch with the intricacies of movement. Just yeah. from the visualization I'm getting from Jungle Book or whatever. But even how like that, <laughs> yeah, they can use their bodies. And and I did that, and I I sort of carried that thought of the jaguar for probably a good ten or fifteen k's. And the really interesting thing was when I got home after that walk, my legs weren't sore at all. I actually had sore hips mm. because I was like rolling in my movement and I wasn't slamming down on my ankles and my knees. I was letting everything sort of roll in this sort of like movement. And I was obviously moving 
parts of my hips that I d- normally don't move that I probably keep quite rigid. Um, so in that feeling of discomfort in my hips was almost like you checking the tire gauge on that back tire and realizing it was eight. You know, it was like me going, oh shit, hang on. This is all sort of been out of balance for a while and I hadn't noticed it. And so, yeah, I think that's a really sort of interesting part of, I feel like where I'm at at the moment with like the, the self-love stuff is, um, yeah, stepping into that sort of infant state of body connection. And sometimes it's a bit annoying. Um, you know, sometimes there's that little bit of impatience of like, why can't I just, you know, why can't I just do an hour of yoga every day? Like, why aren't I into that? Why can't I be doing all of these stretches? And, but it's realizing that I can, but I actually got to put the effort in, you know. And it's the idea of learning the new instrument. It is the new instrument. Yeah. 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 It's just, yeah, that's, it's a fascinating thing. It just, I'm, I'm thinking of deepening this idea of body movement in an animal sense. And I've heard, I had a recent discussion with someone. They're running actually a, a body movement retreat up in Sydney in a couple of months. And it's all about kind of getting in touch with your body and going into the, into nature and kind of moving in this way that feels like you're, it feels more enlivening and it feels like it feels more right than what we've been boxed into doing. Like the way you walk in a, in a city dimension or area, when you're walking through the, the sidewalks and crossing the streets and you know, you're, you're walking in that kind of a way. You can't walk like that in nature. You, there's rocks to scramble over. There's rivers that are running and you need to kind of figure out your balance and come into that animal side of your movement. I think that might be a really sweet place to explore for you and for me. It sounds, as you, yeah, that actually sounds like a great idea. Well, there's nothing more fun. I feel so alive when I'm scrambling over rocks. Yeah. I was with my cousin and we were in Japan and we came across this whole rocky area. And I just remember the feeling of like, I feel so alive right now and I don't know why. And it's, it's, it's coming into this contact using your hands and feet across the rocks and jumping from, it's like this child playful enemy and um, energy. We've spoken about this before yeah. in on that river actually. Yeah. And it is so, it brings us back to that childlike state of play and it feels, although foreign to the body, I think there is something that that's really um, quite therapeutic and, and you do feel the pain of that, it's like you haven't worked out for a while. Mm. So going back to the gym or going for that first run is quite torturous. But it's kind of a good feeling of pain I've noticed. Like it's, okay, it's kind of good that these hips are maybe feeling a bit better. And, it, you know, it's good now that, oh, it feels a bit different that I pumped that back tire up. But it's kind of nice having my wheels full and not kind of bumping along as much. Yeah. yeah. it's uh, Climbing a tree is another like example of that. Because, you know, you're using your hands and your feet and your body like is moving in all these different ways as you're sort of swinging yourself around the branches. And then, um, I haven't done it for a while, but it's like this instantaneous like child excitement that comes back the minute like I wrap my arms around the, the first branch and start like climbing myself up that tree. Like this real moment of like presence in play and where am I going to put my foot? Where am I going to grab onto? Yeah. How does this feel against my hand? Stop and check out the view for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Like, is this rough against my hand? Can I pull myself up with this sensation? Yeah. And yeah, but I mean, going back a step, it's, 
I guess what I'm finding at the moment with where I'm at with connecting with my body is there's sort of like this um, like pogo effect because I'm feeling in and, and then I'm feeling the pain and then I'm trying to sit with it, but then I'm like pulling back a bit because I'm like, oh, this is difficult. This is uncomfortable. So it's like dipping in and out. But I think that the, when that happens, for me at least, the d- dipping in and out is gradually, it's got some directionality to it. And that is the process it seems like we go in when we're going into something new and out of something as well. Yeah. Like this, it, it, it seems like we can't just, as humans, begin whatever it is we need to begin. There's always like a stepping into. Yeah. And that does take a bit of a back and forth, but with movement, it seems. So that seems, that sounds completely natural. Yeah. But I, frustrating I, at the same time. Yeah. I can be a bit impatient. Like, yeah. um, I, you know, I'm a bit sort of like gung ho when I get into something. Yeah. You know, I, well, it feels that makes it even more rewarding when you start getting the hang of it. And it's like, yeah. oh, now we're moving. Yeah. And then that's the next phase. And then after that, it's like, now we're not only moving, but now we're having fun in this space. Now yeah. we're playing in here. And then, you know, as, as you kind of progress, it goes that way or, or, or go in the other direction. You know, you stop giving that, that enough, oh, sorry, you stop giving that part of you the same amount of attention and that slowly fades out. So the next time you return to it, it's even harder and harder. Yeah. So I guess that's the whole game of what we feed. And interesting, like I had a thought, you know, well, it's, it's happened a few times um, recently, you know, where I start, um, I don't know, cataloging might not be the right word, but I start like sort of laying out this path of like, okay, well, uh, you know, I've got to get more in contact with my body. I've got to do this more. I need to stretch more. I need to do, you know, then I've got to like really get into, um, I've got to start doing more focused breathing and then I need to meditate. And I start to like really pile all of this list of it's pretty overwhelming yeah you think of all the stuff that, that and it becomes could be better super overwhelming but then i'm getting better at taking a step back taking a breath and going but i've got a lifetime to do this and then also and you don't even need to get it done in that time if you don't yeah. it's like there's not even but it's also like well what else is more worthwhile yes like what else is more worthwhile than like self-love um and becoming deeply and truly and lovingly connected with my mind, my heart, my body, my feelings, my emotions. Like, what else is more worthwhile or more important in this world to do than to have a loving relationship with the totality of yourself? Just the fact that you're diving into love itself is a beautiful thing and you're shaking up that space it's just, I'm picturing like, you know, all the soot at the bottom. And then once you shake up all the glitter in the glow cone or whatever they're called, glow sphere, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the snow cone. Snow cone yeah. thing, whatever it is. Your snow cone. I don't think that's what it's called. Uh, isn't it? Snow dome. Snow, snow dome. dome. Okay. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. Um, yeah. It's like, yeah, there's beauty that comes up. Um, yeah, so that's definitely a worthwhile endeavor. That kind of threw me off what my mind path was where, where we were kind of tracking along, <laughs> but definitely, definitely this idea of, um, giving love sometimes. Yeah. This idea of the gets a bit confusing about loving yourself, loving others. And we've spoken about this and, you know, in different, from different perspectives, we looked at this from a group setting as well. But I think all in all, whatever your language is, if you're taking time to show some compassion to others 
and you're in a space where you're enlivening love within yourself and you're being kind and gentle to yourself in the process is a beautiful thing. And that's that now, now it's kind of clicking again. So you're talking about this overwhelming feeling when you looked at all the different ways you could be better and grow and get all that stuff. For me, what comes up is uh, an importance to looking at that kind of a thing, like writing those things down. It brings a sense of writing your own story in a way. Like I'm looking at the way I want to, who I, who I'm, who I am in this moment and the way I want to, you know, add modules onto this being and whatever I'm doing and where I'm going, but then it's doing that, but then letting go of that, which is the thing. If you don't do that at all, I don't know. That's, that's an interesting space. If you do too much of that, that's also an interesting space that can be too much pressure. And that, that again, pulling the beating up of oneself based yeah. on what we expect, but it's, it's, it's an interesting space to play in or experiment with again, the dipping in and out. So sometimes the dipping in and out might not be such a bad thing. And and doing it with love, you know, it's something that um, it's nice to see my wife. Um, my wife, Emma, um, has really sort of been talking to me about a lot recently of when you do something to do it with love. Yeah. And then the minute you stop doing it with love, step back out of it and like take a bit of a break. You know, using the example, um, so she was um, repotting some plants the other day. And, you know, she was really lovingly repotting them. And then she said she got to a point where it had become like she, all of a sudden she noticed her feeling had shifted to it almost being a bit of a chore. Like, oh, I have to get this done. Mm. And she took that as her cue to get up, come inside, have a cup of tea, relax, and then go and reapproach. That's good. The potting of the plants again yeah. with love. And um, I guess like this is just, I mean... You know, I could sit here for the next year and tell you about why my relationship with Emma is fantastic, but there's all of this beautiful like wisdom that Emma brings to our relationship, which seems to really complement um, where I'm an infant in my journey. You know, like Emma's been into doing a lot of you know meditation and yoga and health with her, you know, her eating and all of that sort of stuff. Um, so she always just seems to hit like these really beautiful key bits of wisdom for me, like right where I'm sort of sitting. Uh, and even, you know, like I was discussing with her, I think it was last night, um, about something we were doing where she was running me through a yoga and, uh, and I was going, oh, but I'm finding it really hard, you know, because my brain's like, oh, I can't do this and I can't do that. And she's like, yeah, that's what everyone's brain's doing. You just don't realize it, you know, like er everyone's sort of in that state a, a lot of the time, like maybe just because a person's done yoga for years, it doesn't mean that they're like just a hundred percent Zen as they're doing their yoga movements. You know, there might still be that little inner voice. that's like, oh God, you know, I, could, I need to stretch this much more or how long, you know. So I guess that was sort of good to hear. That's a huge thing. Because I'm like, I'm a beginner. So I'm like sitting here, like screaming in my head, like, I don't want to do this stretch. So, <laughs> you know, and, but like sort of thinking like, oh God, you know, feeling this pressure, you know, like, like when we, we had the, the space, you know, a few weeks back and everyone seems to be sitting quite 
still and calm mm-hmm. like as we're doing the meditation and i'm like fidgeting and you know and i'm like oh in my head i'm like oh my god why can everyone else sit here so calmly everyone else in here is like a zen master except for me and then it's like this the internal dialogue starts to make it become more difficult because you're like everyone else is doing it so easy but probably realizing that you know i'm sure there was probably some other people sitting there who maybe had a sore butt as well or you know but but they you know are a little bit further into exploring how to be comfortable with sitting there on their sore butt where i'm just starting to learn so i'm feeling like fidgety and out of place that happens in life quite a lot yeah i think for me i've found when that happens i get a similar thing that emma does when she stops and walks outside i just see it as comparison it's comparing and i see that as like a trap that i fall into sometimes with what my ambitions are or what I'm doing, you know, with this podcast or what I'm doing with the spaces or whatever I'm doing with having sessions with people or whatever it might be. I feel like I get into this, I look at what other people are doing and I imagine where they're at. And then I look at the difference between where I am and where they are or where I want to be. And it just blows everything out instead of just being like, all right, well, I'm here on my journey this is where I'm at right now and this is what I'm going through and that's okay and that's normal. And I think that reminder from Emma is that that we're all kind of, you know, I used to think when we were kids that everyone had it figured out. And when you get older, you're like, no one knows what the fuck's <laughs> going on. And that's quite liberating. It's the, one of the most powerful realizations. Yeah. When you realize that you're all sort of figuring it out as you go yeah 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 we're really good at doing that we're really good at comparing ourselves to others and consciously or unconsciously placing that person on a pedestal by saying they've got it all figured out look at how easy everything is the thing is they might and they might have it on that angle but life's made up of different components and and, they're not us yeah and everything once you go yeah, they're not us and there's a unique special thing to you that, you know, this is what I've kind of noticed with with certain aspects of my life. I might not be the best at this thing, but because of that, I'm really good at this other element of life that maybe someone else might not be so good at, but they would be good at something else. So there's just like weird um, bringing together of who you are from this remix of elements that make you special and unique and embracing and being with that through love is what really gets things going. Cause then, then you can share that with everyone and add to the collective, you know, melting pot of whatever's happening right now, which no one really knows what it is. Like we just kind of pointed to, but it's like, that's all part of it. Being, being more in touch, I think with our unique special self or the uniqueness within us that, even if it seems like we want to get better at certain things, there's there's a beauty in the way we are already. You know, I think there's this whole thing about getting better and growing and always achieving more and more and more that's also part of the human condition. And it's like, fair enough, that's probably always going to be the case and the acceptance of some some area of that might be really beneficial. But then there's this idea of also just pausing for a moment and remembering who we are like through love that that comes through love and i think yeah walking into that just to coming back all the way to the beginning is a beautiful way 
because we're kind of walking into the present. Yeah. We're not walking to get anywhere. It didn't sound like you were walking to get to the end of somewhere. You were just adding on an extra couple of Ks here and there. You got back home. I'm going to add another couple of Ks on. It's not even about where you're going. That's the whole cliche about it's about the journey, but it's like, it really is. Well, it, it is. It, um, I think you, you just made a really good point then when you were saying about looking at something and going, oh, well, I'm not good at that. Well, it's because our attentions have been elsewhere. And yeah, I guess that is a really good point to reflect on is the fact that, yeah, okay, I'm not good at that because I haven't been paying attention to that. But I am really good at this because I've been paying attention to that. And I can become as good at this new thing if I pay that same level of attention. There will be a consequence to that. Well, you know, being social. You know, so the way that they punish a prisoner, so they've already taken away their freedom. They've put them in jail. And let's say a person who's in a maximum security prison, you could assume isn't around like the nicest people. Okay. But the way that they punish a prisoner inside jail is to put them in isolation. So they understand that that we're so inherently social as as social creatures that the way that you ultimately punish someone is to take away all connection to people around them. You know, and even if the people around you are, are murderers and dangerous, it's still worse for you to be isolated from them. I find an interesting space when you look at the wisdom that comes from solitude in comparison to what you just expressed. Yeah, which is a forced, and inf- there's a difference between the choosing the solitude exactly. and an enforced. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But you could still get wisdom from this forced solitude. And that hap- I've heard stories of that happening in prison, in solitary I've, confinement, where people yeah. have awakened to some higher truth and come out and changed their whole lives. I've heard some amazing stories about like people finding and understanding what true freedom is yep. through incarceration. Yeah. Um, understanding the freedom of the mind. Mm. You know that. I mean, I, I that's what I believe also is that the only place that freedom truly exists is in our mind. Because you could say that just in, well, maybe even in our mind to a point, freedom is illusionary because every aspect of our life is bound by external forces. We need to breathe oxygen. Um, We need to breathe oxygen so we can have oxygen in our blood so it can pump to all of our, you know, so we don't have the freedom in our mind, for instance, to say, well, I'm going to stop breathing. Well, we do, but then we will eventually we die or pass out. And then we no longer even have our mind to have the freedom within. Um, but yeah, sorry, I went off on a tangent there. <laughs> That's okay. I find it interesting that our bodies have been kind of, I, I'm going to say use the word evolved, but I think what I mean is we're, we're kind of, everything kind of fits really well in the place that we are and where we're a part of that. And I think we can forget that sometimes that we're connected back into that system. We're not just an extraction point and separate from that system. We're a part of it and everything fits so well because of that reason. And there's a, there's a giving back in some way that we can, we can contribute. And I think one of those ways, you know, I think the ultimate way is to come back into a sense of love. Yeah. Love for the system itself, which includes ourselves. 
So that's, I think, the definition of self-love that I'm hearing when I think about it. Well, we're actually, you know, it's interesting you brought that point up because I was listening to something recently where we're actually far more of a system than we normally are aware of. Like, obviously, the old, you know, human, uh, I, I think, therefore I am, and we, we spend so much of our time and our energy and our thoughts thinking about us as an individual Mm. but in a lot of ways we're not that much different to an ant in a hive we we, we all completely rely on each other interestingly there is not a person there is most likely not a person alive on this planet now who knows how to make a pencil like to make a whole pencil to know how to get the resources to make the pigment to paint the pencil, to know how to create the tools to cut the timber, to shape the pencil, who knows how to mine the graphite and shape the graphite to insert it into the pencil, who knows how to mine the metals and, and you know, smelt them to, you know, and let alone the rubber. Yeah, we're, yeah. A, we're a part of this integral system that that is like we would not be able to survive without others. No. And... There's a beautiful, humbling experience that takes place when we remember that. Yeah. And when we um, honor that, really. Yeah. I like to do that before I eat. I started doing that after I spent some time in a monastery, and they just do it before every meal. It's remembering that that meal has come from, you know, honoring the farmers that it's come from and all the people driving the transport trucks and all the other elements of that allowed it to come into being from the sunshine to the rain to, you know, the person that, you know, was at working, works, you know, long shifts to feed their family at the grocery store at the checkout to sell you that, that you know, bit of food that's now one part of this whole meal that you're eating. There's all these different elements that have come together from all these different places. Possibly thousands of people. It got, Well, I, but the way I've been thinking about it is I think it goes in cycles. So if you think about the sunshine and the rain that went into food, that's gone into someone's being to give them energy. Whoa. Yeah. There's <laughs> like even the deeper. Yeah. And then the meals that they've eaten. Of course. Yeah. That gave them. Oh yeah. Yeah. God, so that so adds it's a whole new level to it. Well, it? yeah. It's, it's just this endless, endless stream really. Yeah. And that's all going into your being. And you can sit there and, and eat that meal while staring at Netflix unconsciously and feed the dopamine receptors and distract yourself from your beingness in that moment, which, you know, I'm not, and I'm not advocating putting pressure or being harsh on yourself if you're doing that as well, because sometimes that refuge, seeming refuge is kind of, you know, is a part of the experience as well to help that volcano eventually erupt into something else. But or you can sit there and eat the food and, and think about these things or at least give honor to it for a moment. Yeah. And that's kind of a beautiful way that I've found. There's other ways. And I think it's worth embodying some of those little rituals in your life and finding whatever works for you and exploring that space at least because it's all true. Everything is connected and it's something we always forget. So there's like this, again, these elements of that we're sharing is like, gentleness with yourself for the forgetfulness process and then get coming back to remembering that you've got that ankle or that back tire 
and then a sharing that with others. That's all coming up for me at the moment. And that all is are elements that encompass or that self-love encompasses. Because that's what we're really speaking to, right? Yeah. And, and well, and in in giving gratitude to the food, which again is another thing that Emma's like <laughs> yeah. doing every time we're eating and yeah, like not telling me to do it. Leading through example. She's, she's fantastic at that. Um, you know, so like even today when I was having my sandwich for breakfast, you know, my toasted sandwich and like giving gratitude to, to everyone involved in that, you know, the animals and, um, but yeah, I've got to add the sun and the wind and the rain into that one. Um, but it's, no, it just feels like really beautiful because again, you know, you go to that deeper level, the gratitude that we're giving to others is part of this, you know, they're part of the system that we're part of. So that expression of gratitude outward is actually also an expression of gratitude inwards. Yeah. And I think that that brings us perfectly to what you were speaking to initially with talking to yourself or talking to the plants or going for those walks and, and spending time to tend that inner garden through what seems to be an external thing. Yeah. Like speaking aloud to a tree or writing something down or. Well, it's know. the manifestation through words, you know, like when you put a group of letters together, it's called spell, you know, and when we think of like wizards and magicians and whatever doing something magical, it's a spell. You know, so we're actually doing something magical by making these sounds that have meaning behind them and, and making that sound aloud. You know, it, it's, it's energy. Mm. You know, so it might not be visible. The words that we speak aren't visible to our eyes, but they're manifesting and creating things, you know, thought forms, energy ripples. Mm. Um, I mean, how many times have you ever had the experience of like, talking about someone that you might not have heard from in a while or you know or even actually just thinking about that and then next thing you know there's the phone rings and there they are or you know a, an email arrives you know i find that a lot like emma and i'll be talking about someone or something and then it's like oh you know it's like um you know that concept of quantum entanglement you know it doesn't matter how far away two things are they can still be linked energetically and, and I think the great thing is like with a lot of this stuff we talk about, you know, and you can talk about it metaphysically and you can talk about it philosophically. Um, but the beautiful thing with most of this stuff is it's actually also confirmed in science. I mean, they just do a much more convoluted way of explaining it. And you need like multiple textbooks and 10 years of study to understand the language they use. Um, it's interesting this idea of synchronicities though. Yeah. And I know Jung did some work on synchronicities and found that, I don't know, I don't know who found this, but it was something I read somewhere that it was like occurrences that happen more often than probably like according to mathematically, you know, probable yeah. mathematics. I don't know. <laughs> that would be likely in that, in that equation or whatever. Yeah. So um, it's, it is an interesting thing that feeds that part of the brain that needs that scientific kind of validation. But there's also this sense of knowing it from experience. Like I'm experiencing now and I feel this could be true, but I'm pretty open to be wrong as well, that somehow these synchronicities in my life um, come along at certain times where I feel the most like I am in line or I am walking 
in a way that is uh, is listening to the intelligence of the body through self-love. Yeah. So that kind of, these synchronicities are almost like little light posts pointing me or reminding me almost like, oh yeah, like a little tap on the shoulder or everything's all good. It's really beautiful. They are like the, um, like the signposts of the universe. You know, it's saying. I mean, they could be. Who knows what's actually going well, on? Well, it, it, <laughs> it feels like, like that. It, you yeah. know, like, yeah. like um, one of the songs that was really special to me, um, through my journey of like self-love and and dealing with all my trauma and stuff was the Beatles' "Here Comes the Sun." And I had a weird synchronicity because you guys played that at your wedding. Well, the first proper date that Emma and I went on and we were walking up to the restaurant that we're going to eat and there's yeah. a guy on the acoustic guitar playing Here Comes the Sun and like in my head, I'm like, bing. Yeah. And, and quite often, okay, so maybe it's because we look out for it so we can't exclude that. But quite often, Emma and I will go places and that just happens to be playing in the background. I With synchronicity, is interesting though because I've had a similar thing happen with like certain um, women in my life, for example. And it's like, maybe how it's how I read it at the time might've been like, this is the one, but end up being really good friends with that person. Yeah. So it's like, you don't exactly know what it's pointing to, but it's kind of saying for me, what I've heard is you're in the right place at the right time. Or, or it's like, you always are, but this is like, it's like, an, it's like it grabs your attention. It's like, yeah. Hey, like you can't ignore this. Yeah. And, and it's really important as well, you know, like when you, when you were saying that, um, that it could be referring to the fact that you're in a loving place, in a loving interaction. Loving vibe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's based on love and, and we can have that with people. Um, you know, we can have intensely deep loving relationships with someone that lasts for two months that we maybe never see again. And that, that love um, is just as genuine and valid as an ongoing love. You know, it, that doesn't mean that, oh, because that, that relationship, you know, dissolved or we went our separate ways, it doesn't mean that there was any less aspect of deep love and Or that that you know, love's connection. lost in some way. Well, it's, it's yeah, still, it's not it's that it's still... lost. It was actually that was what it was meant to be. It was meant to be for a month. It was meant to be for six months. It, you know, but it's still there. It's still always though, there. Even though everything else is in this constant state of yeah flux. I, I was thinking, um, I've thought the last few days about a friend. Well, you, you know, I, we don't talk to each other anymore. You know, something happened. Um, you know, so technically you could say, well, we're not friends anymore. Um, and I was, you know, interested in the idea of actually reaching out and talking to it. Not because I actually want to rekindle us catching up um, and hanging out together, because I don't actually think that would work as the people we are now. But we spent quite a few years going through some really beautiful, heavy stuff together. And there was a deep love formed. And I feel like um, it doesn't need to be either or, like that love that we shared in that period of time is still dear in my heart. And I have a love for him, even though I definitely wouldn't love to spend time with him now. Um, but I, I feel sometimes we flip between that, you know, concept of love and hate, you know, it's like, well, if we don't love someone anymore, it must mean we hate them or, you know, or maybe not that dramatic, 
Um, but you know, there, there's a feeling of not love. We either love someone or we not love someone. Um, where if we've loved someone, why can't we always hold that? Like just because present self or future self doesn't feel that deep love for them anymore, past self did. So that love still exists. You know, it, it doesn't need to be something that, you know, just, and, and then there's the other side of that, that just because past self loved that person doesn't mean we have to suffer through an unpleasant relationship in the moment now. But it does mean that it's possible to love them in this moment. And even if past self didn't love them, yeah, it's still possible to touch the space of love with them. And you can and deeply... With, with pretty much anyone, even someone that you're driving that you look at across from in the light, so you've got no idea. You get a glimpse into their story of or their cinema. Yeah. There can be a space for love. Yeah. Or even that person that honks at you on the road. Well, I had a great um a great experience yesterday when I was walking through the shopping center with my kids and I could see this lady look like she was having a tough day. Um, and she sort of looked at me and I just gave her like a really big loving smile and I saw her eyes sort of widen up and then she smiled back at me <laughs> um, and kept walking off with a smile on her face. And my son said to me, he's like, dad, why do you smile at everyone? <laughs> yeah. And and I sort of explained to her, I'm like, well, why why shouldn't we smile at people? Why shouldn't we, you know, when we look at someone, why yeah. shouldn't we share a bit of our, our love with them? Yeah. You know, there's no angle. There's no, you know, after this happens. It's just like in this moment, I see you and I'd much prefer to smile at you and share a bit of my love to you rather than ignore you or rather than frown at you and walk away. Mm. Um, and I actually, I don't know, I sort of felt like quite chuffed that that was something that my son noticed about me. Like it felt, I'm like, yep, that might not be something that he really thinks about a lot now, but maybe in 10 years from now, he's like, ah, shit, I get it. He'll be smiling at people and that will have a flow and effect. And exactly. Like what we said about the wind and the rain and everything. Yeah. It's interesting, these ripples into. It's beautiful. Like you can't, you know, you think about the smallest seed, the smallest seed can still grow into, you know, the most amazing trees. Um, And I think about, you know, so often still even now I'll be going through an experience or thinking and then something my parents said to me 40 years ago comes into my head and only now do I understand it. Mm. But it's like, you know, there's wisdom we get, not just from our parents, but other friends or people in our lives. They plant seeds that actually weren't meant for five-year-old Paul. I get that all the time. Isn't that beautiful? I get that through the podcast. Yeah. When I'm having these chats, things come back later on that it's like, oh, that's like, I thought I got what that guy meant, but now it's like a whole new thing. And then it'll happen again a couple of years later. And that same from that initial seed from that conversation. Yeah. Like it's probably happening right now. There's a few seeds <laughs> that is it's, just kind of. It's so beautiful. Like Emma yeah. and I, like we talk about that a lot. So for instance, past Paul bought a book that he wasn't interested in. Mm. So, you know, Paul from 10 years from then will pick the book up and be like, oh, fuck, this is the exact book I need to read right now. Mm. Um, 
and and it's a really you know it's even another beautiful level of self-love is realizing that um doing things that you know future paul or past paul would have enjoyed like i went past this place that you know there's a it's the edamugger pub i probably didn't even say it right um it's just out of albury so but anyway when i was a kid they used to do a cartoon of it, like a weekly cartoon, and I absolutely loved it. I used to spend hours staring at these cartoons um, and always wanted to go to this place because they built like the real building based on the cartoon. And, you know, I hadn't thought about that for 30 odd years. And I was driving back from Sydney for work and I saw the sign for it. And I was tired and I couldn't be bothered. And I'm like, well, I'm not really interested in that. And I'm like, you're not. But little Paul, little Paul loved that. You should take him there. And so I turned off, I went there and I went and sat um, at the bar and drank his glass of Coke. But the, the coolest part was I could feel like 10 year old Paul running around this place, losing his fucking mind, like screaming and yelling, like, oh my God, look at this. Oh my God, look at that. And it was, my God, it was a really beautiful feeling because I was tired and I was disinterested, but I could feel 10-year-old Paul having an absolute ball. And and that was sort of when I come up with this, like, idea in my mind that I call, like, paying it backwards, you know. So, stuff that our little selves didn't get to do at the time. Our inner children. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, letting our inner, giving this gift to our inner children. It's like, you didn't get it, but I can give it to you now. Mm. And it might not mean anything to us now. We might be totally disinterested in it, but our inner self, like our inner child, absolutely loves it. And you know, I think there's um, there's a lot of room in our lives for that sort of stuff as well. I've been looking at the future one as well. Yeah, I mean the inner one. I mean, I took some inspiration from that story. You've told me it before, and I like even last night I was spending some time in Clifton Hill, which is where I grew up, and I visited my old. A kindergarten where my mom first took me and I felt so abandoned like she was just going to leave me there forever with all these randoms <laughs> and you know they force you to go to sleep together in that room with your little blankies and stuff it's like why do I go want to go I don't want to go to sleep what's going on here I feel like I'm in prison or like military camp anyways um, I've been looking at the future and I've been like looking at all right who is Michael as a character and what would he want to study now what does he want to deepen his knowledge into? And what's that person going to, how's that person going to appreciate my movements now in this, when in investing in this kind of a space in order to, um, you know, motivated by what I feel like my wiser elder self would want. Yeah. So it's an interesting space to play in looking from things in, from things in that frame. So we've kind of danced around you know, and all that is a sense of presence as well. Yeah. Even though we are talking about these different parts of our being, you know, you can go. We can go real deep with the whole time thing. But <laughs> well, it's quite beautiful. I actually, I think it was today, and I, I don't know why the thought come up, um, but I was having a chuckle to myself thinking about, you know, um, you, myself, and Rowan, as like old wizards like you know in our <laughs> 70s you know with like really long like, i mean i've already got gray and stuff but you know like with crazy long gray beards and our long gray hair and 
just sort of like allowing my mind to sort of like wander a bit of like that the presence and you know that's that energy and that sense and of of how we'd be um just like these awesome like you know awesomely magical like old wizards like sitting around you know like laughing probably about the stuff that we're doing now or how we are now um and and that was a really beautiful thought you know like that was um yeah that was really fun to sort of like just let my mind sort of like play in that and picture us you know, looking like really cool and like yeah, yeah like um oh, like gandalfs you yeah. know they're I'm, in our robes and <laughs> i'm picturing that maybe around a fire of some sort yeah, yeah just kind of like like uh, and, and just yeah just with a, everyone's own uniqueness that's been deepened with the the beauty of time and know? i saw deep laughter on our faces yeah i'm picturing laughter as laughter. well laughter yeah laughter at maybe um how much of a rush we might feel like we're in at times in this moment in feels so good being able to laugh back at things but you don't feel like it sometimes yeah when you're in the in the crux of it but but i could almost feel like our elder selves almost like putting a hand on our shoulders being like it's all right fellas like <laughs> well i'm thinking I, i've got an idea i reckon this could be a part of a series that we're doing yeah and we could maybe even put a hand on our shoulders right now and, and we could even maybe pause this chat yeah and pick it up you know in a little while sounds like and a good reflect plan. back to where we are right now <laughs> yeah. in a way that would be pretty cool yeah yeah yep. i don't know if that was an abrupt way to kind of end things but <laughs> I'm just thinking like batteries might be a bit low and stuff. And <laughs> that sounds like a good sun plan. setting. Um, yeah. Well, and then maybe we can take a quick. So, I, all right. When you said that, the first thought that came into my head was, I'd like my future self in that conversation to be able to reflect back and say that I was further along the path with my relationship with being connected to my body. So I'm just putting that out there. Breadcrumbs. Yeah. So hopefully future self is listening and we, we got that. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So future self wants what you're saying to your future self. Let me clarify that. Is that there's going to be a deeper connection to your body next time you meet or something? Well, or? I'm, I'm, I think maybe looking, thinking about it, I'm making a commitment to future sure, self. Sure. That between now with gentleness with and self-love and when he sits down to do this yeah that i will have you know that my current self and yep. myself's in between those moments yeah will have been deepening the relationship with feeling of the body yeah and stretching and moving and yeah 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 cool i feel like i need to make a commitment now as well i'm just not sure what it is <laughs> it's not coming to me right away but it well, could be around no pressure yeah, that's. I reckon it would be about just continue continuing to really embody and try to deepen this sense of love. Yeah, and um, yeah, coming back into the idea of just working on the basics: good food, good sleep, good friends. Mm. You know, the exercise and clearing the mind space through meditative processes. I think that's all like community and self-love all that entangled together without the pressure sounds so like it's, everything there. it's just everything yeah but yeah. without that pressure so i think that wraps things up pretty well sounds good all right brother sending a loving breeze of gratitude in your direction 
Thank you so much for sharing space with us here and now. And if you want some more information about our guest, you can head over to todaydreamer.com and check it, check out the episode section on the page. Um, also, if you're someone that's interested in deepening your practice of presence, if you want to work together with someone to structure a spiritual practice, whether it's an existing one or a new one, if you're looking to build consistency, you know, define your ambition and recalibrate your trajectory in a way that's more in line with wholeness and in a way that contributes and participates more fully in the emergent world story and its blossoming, then feel free to get in touch because I'm taking on a small handful of one-on-one -on -one clients, spiritual friends, um, and I'd love to speak to you. If you did enjoy this episode and you felt like you got something out of it, feel free to share it with your community. And if you feel like there's anyone in particular that could benefit from the space shared today, uh, I would really appreciate if you'd pass it on to them. And I'm sure they would too. And yeah, uh, I'll catch you in the next episode. Thank you again, my friend, and be well.